through October. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. Happy halfway. Well, we're back, which is amazing to me. Man, October 17th, you've got to be kidding. Uh, to speed a little bit in uh, the book of Romans, and uh, let me bring you close to uh, a lot of detail. Um, the first five chapters in the book of Romans, Paul goes faith alone, without our works, without to set before us um, the doctrine of justification by faith. And uh, Paul points out anything that we do, anything that we have done or ever will do. He appeals to the Old Testament example out that actually that's the same gospel that has ever existed even in the Old Testament. That's why he emphasis on the doctrine of justifications of David and Abraham to make his point. And to go along with his em in the first five chapters of the book of vocation by faith, in Romans chapters 1 through 5, there are no commands. In of Paul in Romans chapter 6, Romans. But then Romans chapter 6 opens up, and the justification has to do with our is to set before us the doctrine of sanctification. So the doctrine of just catechism, when it asks legal standing before God. In fact, to, to quote the Westminster Shortation is an act of God's what is justification in question 33. The answer is justification righteous in his sight, free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as alone. Then in chapter 6, only for the righteousness of God imputed to us and received by faith. Sanctification, again, appeals. He begins uh, teaching about the doctrine of sanctification. And so what is, is the work of God's freeling to the Westminster Shorter Catechism Question 35, the answer is sanctification grace. But in the ca case of grace, so notice both justification and sanctification are works of God's of God and are enabled sanctification whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image sanctification. Justification more and more to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. That's through us, but both by takes place outside of us, and sanctification takes place inside of us. In uh, studies ago, we noticed the grace of God. And last time, or a couple of no dominion over you, since you're Romans chapter 6 and verse 14 where Paul wrote, for sin will have in Romans chapter 6 to illustrate are not under law but under grace. And Paul uses that imagery of slavery a lot. Bondage to sin. We're no longer our relationship to sin as believers. We're as believers freed from verse 14. Sin will longer under sin's dominion but it's interesting the way that Paul expresses that is 
And so Paul brings up, have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And we covered Romans this discussion of the place of the law in the believer's life. And uh, not be under law, but under grace. In 6 and verse 14, we uh, talked at some length about what that means to this few verses in Romans chapter 7. So I'm not going to repeat that, but what Paul does go on to do here in the first doing today so is to develop the believer's relationship to the law. So that's what we're going to be. And the first thing that we see, so the believer and the law, and Lord willing, we'll look at the first 13 verses, a salvation code here from the pen of Paul is that the believer is dead to the law as subject, like he does a lot. The believer is dead to the law as a salvation code. And he introduces the brothers, he writes in verse 1. Or he has a lot already through a question. Or do you not know, or plainly in the context, is the For I am speaking to those who know the law, and the law here, as we're going to see, Mills, that the law is law of Moses. So he's speaking to those who know the law, both Jews and Gentiles. Illustration of that reality binding on a person as long as he lives. And then as an ill is bound by law to her husband while he He uh, says in verses 2 to 3, for a married woman, accordingly, she would be called and lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Dies, she is free from that adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband... So a pretty simple illustration law, and she marries another man... Uh, and, and she is not an adulteress in that, in that case. His former wife, uh, his woman, of a married man and woman. The man dies, his, and a widow is free to marry an, another wife, another husband, excuse me. That's another sermon, we'll get to that. Because she's been released from, if she does uh, marry another man, she's not committing adultery. Because what does that have to do with us? We'll invert her obligation of marriage to her former husband because of death. And law through the body. For likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the to us as believers of Christ, so that you may belong to another. That's the application. Reminds you of, uh, Paul says, we have died to the law through the body of Christ. And I would just, for we, what Paul wrote to us in chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, in a resurrection like his, we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him 
brought to nothing so that we would no longer know that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought. This spiritual reality be enslaved to sin. So in Romans, in this context, Paul brings up, uh, Paul repeats over of our union with Christ in his death. And this is something that verses 19 and 20 in Galatians chapter 2, in this pretty well-known passage, Galatians chapter 2, verse law, so that I might live, where he, re, he wrote, for through the law I died to the law. Then he says in verse 20, live to God. So here Paul is bringing in this idea of the law in his death. Christ who lives in me in the life, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, and gave himself. If I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, together with Christ in his death, and then living for me. And the doorway to verse 20, to being united together in verse 19, with Christ by faith, the doorway to that union is this death to the law. Now notice the second half, and that's what Paul is developing for us now here in uh, Romans chapter 7. Through the body of Christ, so that you may believe, verse 4. So uh, you also as believers have died to the law that we may bear fruit for God. Long to another. To, to him who has been raised from the dead in order the body of Christ so that we may both. So that's interesting language. We have died to the law through the nation of his illustration of marriage. Belong to another. And this is, this is another um, application law through death. Through so we, we have been freed from the to the end that we may belong, we are dying to the law through the body of Christ, but it is for the purpose that we have died to the law, belong to another. And this helps us to understand in which way marriage is a covenant, in which way we have been freed from the law. It's the illustration of marriage. Our union with Christ, relationship in the Bible. And what Paul is saying here is that before, and that's, that's a very interesting, through faith, we were in this covenant relationship with the law. 3, verses 19 through 20, in concept. And we were introduced to that back in chapter 3. Romans chapter speaks to those who are under. There Paul wrote, Now we know that whatever the law says, it may be held accountable to the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world to those who are under the law, to God. Notice those words. It speaks to the, the law, speaks to to the law. Those, and if you think of the language in chapter 7, it is those who belong. 
And in that covenant relationship, those who are united to the law in a covenant relationship. In verse 20, for by works of the law, the whole world is guilty before God of sin. What Paul is no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge. There's only two categories in this. What he's doing here is dividing the world into two categories. To the law, they are in this particular sense. There's one category of people who are married, belong to Jesus accountable to God through the law. And then there's another category of people who are guilty because the and those who are um, in covenant relationship to the law are all, you deserve death. And law says that in the, if you don't do what the law requires and live and you the law's death penalty and the law conversely says, do this, and so we'll all, we're all under the law, yet we all see within ourselves that we don't have the power to do what the law requires of our sin. It can't give us the cause death penalty because all the, all the law can do is to give us knowledge. Jesus can do that. Power to stop sinning. It can't give us the power of life. Only came into this covenant relationship. And so when we became believers, we died to the law and we, uh, Jesus has delivered us from the covenant with Christ. We were married to him, as it were. We now belong to him. And Jesus of the law in our place, condemnation of the law. He kept the law in our place. He suffered the condemnation, counted righteous, declared righteous, and he rose again for our justification. And now in Christ, we have been says that we have died to the law and by the judge of all of the universe. That's what Paul is saying when he says, notice at the end of verse four as well, we now belong to another, even Jesus Christ. You'll know that. that Paul says that all of this is in order that we may bear fruit for God. None of us before Christ, and this is another good thing for us to be reminded of. Because even though, and it was God's resist, was as bad as we could possibly be, we could have been worse, still, before Christ, draining grace that kept us from being as bad as we could possibly be of salvation. No fruit. There was no fruit that was worthy. Because it's not fruit that was in keeping with repentance. And that's a hard concept to get. Relative scale for us to evaluate ourselves and evaluate other people on a sliding people like us and are before Christ. According to the word of God, when God observes 
unconverted people to be good to God's And he sees us doing things that the world would consider, consider it has to be odd, they're bad. <laughs> because in order for something to be good, and it has to be to the glory of God, not only good outwardly, but it has to come from the right motive. What we say, and he God, and God sees the whole thing. God sees what we, what we do. He, he hears in Isaiah 64 and verse 6, he knows what's in our hearts. He knows why we do it. And that's why filthy rags before God. The prophet says that all of our supposed righteousnesses are as God sees us in our unbelief. God sees us walking an old lady across the street and thinks that we're good, but God actually to the glory of the creature, and he sees that in some way, shape, or form, our good works are God. If it was to the glory of God, sure, whether it's, it's ourselves or whether it's other people, but it's not to the glory of God. And so, no would come to our senses, we would repent of our self-righteousness, and we'd believe in Jesus. After we're saved, only our fruit, none, before salvation. Only after to produce the fruit of the Spirit. After we're born of this Holy Spirit of God, do we begin Spirit? And you remember those in Galatians chapter 5. Of the flesh, starting in verse 19, Galatians 5, there's the uh, fruit of the flesh, the works of strife, jealousy, fits of anger, right? Sexual immorality, imp impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and, and Paul warns. As I warned you, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. In contrast to the works of the flesh, before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But goodness, goodness faithfulness, jesh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That begins gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Self-control. There are some people who see the moment of conversion. Because before conversion, even things like not in Christ, then there's self-control to have a natural disposition towards self-control. But if they're in love for Jesus, it's for themselves is not the fruit of the Spirit because it's not for the glory of God. It's not out of... And so... Or for some other creature. And so self-control actually is idolatry and not the law in order that God saves us. He causes us to belong to Jesus, bear fruit. The law that we may bear fruit for God. The law cannot, it cannot make us, can only kill. 
The law can only show us our sin that. It arouses us holy. And as Paul goes on to describe, it's actually worse than chapter 7. Notice verses 5 and 6. The law arouses our sinful nature. So back in Romans chapters, aroused by the law. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, what are those sinful passions? Were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. In Galatians chapter 5. Well, the very similar things as the works of the flesh that we saw inside of us that ends up getting worse. But basically, it's, it's our sinful nature. It's what's going on in lots and intents of our hearts that other people worked out in our lives. It's what happens inside of us in the fallacy, lust, may not be, pride, envy, jealousy, so opposed to God. And our sinful nature is so sinful. It's when we're exposed to the law of God, our God and his holiness, that when we hear the law of God, we're against the law itself. Sinful nature rebels by being aroused. What do we do? We, we covet. So there's something in us that when the law says, do not covet, because our sinful nature is exposed to it, the law says, don't steal. And be, go through all of the commandments. That specific commandment of God, do not steal. We want to steal. Against the law, God's law, that's the way that our sinful law operates. It's not a reflection our sinful nature is. It's a reflection against our sinful nature. That's how sinful, glorious, in, in verse And this is what makes um, the new covenant so law. And remember what we've recognized. Six. Paul writes, but now we are released from the There are no commandments for us to keep here. We're not released from the law in the sense that there are 50 commandments. But we saw last time that in the New Testament scriptures, there are a thousand and Christ has kept the law in our place, but we are released from the law as a salvation code. The law having died to that which held us and therefore released us from the law in that sense. We're released from that in the old way of the written code. Captive so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not, verses 31 through 34, the, we don't have time to trace this down, but if you look in Jeremiah chapter 31, he was going to write on our hearts by his promise of the new covenant is that that which God wrote on tablets of stone, he, you can also see Ezekiel chapter 36, his spirit. He was going to write them on our hearts and, 
put his law in our minds. The, the, the main feature, the main blessing where the uh, Holy Spirit is promised to us as a realm in which we live as blessing of the new covenant. And so that is where we are. That's the covenant. The believers, it's the realm of the spirit, the realm of faith, the new and 50 commands in the New Testament. The Christian life is not all about cataloging those thousands. We're responsible to keep God's and making sure that all of those commands are what we're all about is Christ himself. The main commandments. We're responsible to keep Christ's commandments. But the main thing is as fruit. And keeping is our union with Christ. And then obedience to his commandments flow. A detail, don't you think? But it makes all those two things straight. Even though it might seem like, huh? It seems like kind of freedom. It's the difference between spiritual, the difference in the world. It's the difference between bondage and freedom. And to remember that we are children of life and spiritual death. And Paul wants us to know, to say in the life, children of freedom. Then he goes on, up sin in verses Seven through the second place that the law is not sinful, but it stirs us in verse seven to begin with. Eleven. We've already touched on this in uh, verse five, but notice what he says means. Yet if if it had not, what then shall we say that the law is sin? By no known what it is to covet. If the lot been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have ninth commandment. And um, law had not said, you shall not covet. And where does the law say that? The now we know, by the way, specifically what law. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17. And we represented in the Ten Commandments. God's law Paul is talking about. He's talking about the law of God, specifically including the, um, the 10th commandment, I'm sorry, moral law. And the, the um, 10 commandments, useful. How is it? Not the 9th, the 10th. Uh, the 10th commandment, you shall not covet, is John chapter 3 and verse 4, says that useful. Well, it tells us what sin is. Uh, the Apostle John, in first of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, took sin is lawlessness. And the, the writers of to define sin, first John 3, 4, and Paul's teaching here in Romans chapter 7, to the law of God. That's as any transgression of or lack of conformity unto in the sense that the law is what sin is. So once again, we're not released from the law. No meaning to us. Gone. It ceases to exist. 
It has no relevance in terms of covenant relationship. It's not gone in that sense. We're released from it, but sin, that's our sinful. But notice what Paul says as he continues on in, in verse 8. Through the commandment, per nature. But sin, seeking an opportunity for apart from the law, seduced in me all, all kinds of covetousness. You shall not covet. Paul says, my sin lies dead. So the law says, and it took the law within me, sinful nature, basically hijacked the law. Covetousness for apart from the law and actually stirred up more sin. It produced in me all kinds of before law, sin lies dead. And that's where Paul was. And pierced the law basically came to, came to him in its true mean Pharisee. He was a, a Jew among this him through to the heart. Before Paul was converted, remember, he was a fall. He took pride in the law. Jews, the Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he thought he loved the law. He did, and they didn't keep the law. And he, thought, he looked down on other people because they didn't have the law. And he supposedly really hit home for the thought that he did. But when the law our sin deep with Apostle Paul and us as believers, it exposed not just on the outside, I'm in. And it made us realize, wow, I'm sinful, rises up and produces sinful to my core. And then sin nine. I was once of more sin. Goes on to say in verse, really spiritually alive, but he thought that he was alive apart from the law. This is in his own estimation. It's not that he was of his outward superficial keep good. He thought that he was alive. He thought that he had eternal life because he came to rooting of the law. But when the commandment came, came alive, and I died. Boost in his heart, pierced him through to the core of his being. Sin law says, do this and live. The very commandment that promised life, and it does. The shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for you. Do it, go ahead. Think of all ten commandments. Um, honor your father and your mother. You shall not yourself any carved image. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Your neighbor, you shall not covet. Not murder, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against you. But heart application as Jesus. And then remember that every single one of those commandments 
has not just outward application. Call our neighbor, you empty-headed, Jesus taught us, so that if we're angry with our neighbor without a righteous cause, we, and even in the last week, idiot, we're guilty of murder. How many times have you called someone an idiot of adultery in the heart? You, you, you can apply. Or, as Jesus said, when we look with lust, we're, we're guilty. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. By all Ten Commandments that way. If we don't love the Lord our God with all of our heart, don't truly love our neighbor as our... We're guilty of a spiritual adultery, idolatry. And if we go, go ahead, do those things in ourselves. We're guilty of sin. So before Almighty Holy God, if you do those things without fail, without blemish, grasp the law in one pod, you will live. But if you trend Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus and point, you're guilty of all. And that finally convicted the law killed. He died, it killed him. And when then Saul of Tarsus was Saul of Tarsus, it did its job. He was guilty. He was condemned, brought to the place where he realized that he was undone and persecuted Jesus Christ. And his only hope was in the Messiah whom he hated saying in these verses. And then he lived. That's what Paul is. He says, so the, but Notice what Paul goes on to say in verse 12, righteous and good. Law itself is holy, and the commandment is holy and, and goodness of God. It, and that's true. The law is a reflection of the holiness, justice. On number three, it's like the psalmist said in Psalm 19, verses 8 and 9. Sorry about that. We're all enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord, is, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It's all together. It's clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous. Paul would say to Timothy, in 1 Timothy, again, the problem is not with the law. The problem is with us. And as Paul is good and righteous when Timothy chapter 1, I think it's verse uh, 9 or so. Um, the law used to justify ourselves. It's used righteously when it's used correctly. But when the law is used, then it is bondage and it kills. When the law is used to condemn others and make ourselves look good self. As the revelation us. But considered in and of itself is holy and righteous. Of the holiness of God, the law 
is holy. And the commandments, Paul's summary in verse 13, and good. Finally, here's which is good then? Another question. Did that? It was sin. It was bring death to me. By no means. Wasn't the law itself. Through what is good in his sinful nature. It was sin producing death in me might become sinful beyond order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment the law does by the laws the knowledge of measure or exceedingly sinful that's what sin does that's what the, I'm sorry that's what reveals the depth the sin the, the law not only reveals our sin but it reveals of our sin the breath, the extent, the ugliness, the evil. God spoke through Moses when he wrote. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, and that every intention of the thoughts of the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Law does its work. His heart was only evil continually. And when the law is just true about everybody out there, it reveals to us that that wickedness of man is not, Jesus said in March, but it's especially true about me in here. Within, out of the heart, chapter 7 verses 21 through 22, for from theft, murder of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, envy, slander, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, come from within, out in pride and foolishness. Paul's... Uh, Jesus says, those things, but that's how evil, to the open, these are the things that defile us, not what we put into our bodies, that. And depraved we are. And the law exposes, 1637 to 1708, William Beveridge, an English Puritan who lived from six... I sin. I can He wrote this. I cannot pray, acceptor, nor receive the holy sacrament. I cannot preach, but I sin. I cannot administer. Needs to be repented of, and the torment, but I sin. My very repentance. That's a holy man. Tears I shed need washing in the blood of Christ. Eventually say, oh, wretched man, saying such things. And, and, and of course, Paul is going to, but that's how sinful we are. Man that I am, verse 24, 
Who will deliver me from this body of death? And we'll, we'll get to that. Even when we do religious things, even when we do good things, even when we do holy things, and let me just say, we can't help ourselves but sin in some way. Gospel is not. This is why the Christian message, the gospel, that's not the message of the gospel. Stop sinning and start to do right. Never has and never will. That's not good news. That's bad news because that message and death. And so save a single soul. That's a message of condemnation. It knows your heart. But if you're without Christ, if you're without Christ this morning, and I don't know, God, a list of rules. We're not Tice this morning. We're not telling you to start keeping, to go to heaven, only watch rated G movies. telling you, okay, you used to watch rated R movies and worse. Now smoke and you'll be righteous before God. Movies. Or you, you used to smoke and now don't have wisdom and, and all of those things. They, they might be okay and there might be uh, a measure. You're, you're so sinful and so are the so right to them, but they can do you no good in terms of your salvation. Sinful from the inside out. Over all of us by nature. We're so sinful that we're sin of your awfulness. And the message of the gospel is just have some recognition for God that it'll just stop you in your for God of your moral pollution before God, of your corruption before and taking another step or another breath tracks and puts you on your knees before God and rather than to me, a sinner, you'll just beat your breast before God and you'll just say, God, be merciful. He actually told a story like that. And do you know what the promise of Jesus Christ is? Amazing. Every other religion. And he said, that man went down to his house justified. It's amazing. Made up is always about one. Every other uh, system of thought that mankind has ever only system. It's the only method that we do to please God. And Christianity is the only hope is to rest in the message that says there's nothing we can do to please God. Our news is that whoever does come to the mercy of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ and the good news, righteousness and self-reliance of Christ in that way, turning from their sins, including their sin of self the promise of the God, and they, they thrust themselves, they cast themselves upon the mercy of Christ. Underway. 
come to Jesus Christ. The gospel is no such person will ever, ever be turned else because their salvation Christ and be saved. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to anyone else. You will receive the very righteousness of God in no one else, no place else, only in Christ. In Christ, in power, you will find God. In Christ, you will find help. You will find, then see in your life the, the fruit strength to be able to walk before God in faith and to be saved while there is still time. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of righteousness, come to Christ today. And Lord, we say with the Apostle Paul, let's pray. Good. That your law is holy, righteous, dwells no good thing. But we also know, Lord, that in ourselves, that is in our flesh, it kill us. And it should. So for those of us who are saved, we thank you that the law did leading us to Christ. And thank you, showed us our sin. And it was our schoolmaster. And now, Lord, we pray, Lord, that Christ is the end of the law to all who believe. Righteous requirements of the law would be fulfilled in that you will help us to walk in this spirit so, so that the right don't know you who have taken sin light in us by the Spirit's power. And for those, Lord, in our midst, perhaps, who, Lord, use the law as the slay or who have been deceived into self-righteousness, bring them to Christ and save them. Get the sword of the Spirit today and kill them. And bring Give them life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.